0: Part 1, Chapter 11 C of The Adventures of Jimmy Dale. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please go to the librivox.org. The Adventures of Jimmy Dale by Frank L. Packard. Reading by Roger Moline. Part 1, The Man in the Case, Chapter 11 C. THE STOOL pigeon CONCLUDED Hagen's eyes swept, bewildered, confused, around him, questioningly at Connie Myers, and then, resting suddenly on his bound wrists, they narrowed menacingly. "'Damn you! You smashed me with that sledge on purpose!' he burst out, and began to struggle to his feet. With a brutal chuckle, Connie Myers pushed Hagen back and shoved his revolver under the other's nose. Sure, he admitted evenly, and you keep quiet or I'll finish you now instead of letting the police do it. He laughed out jarringly. You're under arrest, you know, for the murder of Luther Doyle and for robbing the poor old nut of his savings in his house here. Hagen wrenched himself up on his elbow. What, what do you mean? he stammered. Oh, don't worry, said Connie Myers maliciously, "'I'm not making the arrest. "'I'd rather the police did that. "'I'm not mixing up in it. "'And by and by,' he lifted up the hypodermic for Hagen to see, "'I'm going to shoot a little dope into you "'that'll keep you quiet while I get away myself.' "'Hagen's face had gone a grayish-white. "'He had caught sight of the money on the table, "'and his eyes kept shifting back and forth from it to Meyer's face. "'Murder,' he said huskily. "'There is no murder.' I don't know who Doyle is. You said this house was yours. You hired me to come here. You said you were going to tear down the fireplace and build another. You said I could work evenings and earn some extra money. Sure I did. There was a vicious leer now on Connie Meyer's lips. But you don't think I picked you out by accident, do you? Your reputation, my bucko, was just shady enough to satisfy anybody that it wouldn't be beyond you to go the limit. Sure, you murdered Doyle. Listen to this. He took up the letter. To the police. Luther Doyle was murdered this evening in the tenement at 67 Blank Street. You'll find his body in a room on the second floor. If you want to know who did it, look in Mike Hagen's room on the floor above. There's a paper stuck under the edge of Hagen's table with a piece of chewing gum where he hid it. You'll know what it is when you go out and take a look at Doyle's house in Pelham. Yours truly, a friend. Mike Hagen did not speak. His lips were twitching and there was horror creeping into his eyes. Do you get me? Sneered Connie Myers. Tell your story. Who'd believe it? I got you cinched. Twice I tried to get this old Dub's coin out here and couldn't find it. But the second time, I found something else. A piece of paper with a drawing of the fireplace on it, and a place in the drawing marked with an X. That was good enough, wasn't it? That's the paper I stuck under your table this afternoon when your wife was out, see? Somebody's got to stand for the job, and if it's somebody else, it won't be me. Get me? When I had a look at that fireplace, I knew I couldn't do the job alone in a week and I didn't dare blast it with soup for fear of spoiling what was inside. And since I had to have somebody help me, I thought I might as well let him help me all the way through and stand for it. I picked you, Mike. That's why I croaked Old Doyle in your tenement tonight. I wrote this letter while I was waiting for you to show up at the station to come out here with me, and I'm going to see that the police get it in the next hour." when they find doyle in the room below yours and that paper in your room and the busted fireplace here i guess they won't look any farther for who did it and say he leaned forward with an ugly grin maybe you think i'm soft to be telling you all this but don't you fool yourself you don't know me you don't know who i am so tell em the truth they won't believe you anyway with evidence like that against you AND THE NEATER THE STORY, THE MORE THEY'LL THINK IT SHOWS BRAINS ENOUGH ON YOUR PART TO HAVE PULLED A JOB LIKE THIS. MY GOD! Hagen was rocking on his knees. Beads of sweat were starting out on his forehead. YOU WOULDN'T plant A MAN LIKE THAT, HE CRIED BROKENLY. YOU WOULDN'T DO IT, WOULD YOU? MY GOD, YOU WOULDN'T DO THAT! JIMMY DALE'S FACE UNDER HIS MASK WAS WHITE AND rigid. There was something primal, elemental, in the savagery that was sweeping upon him. He had it all, now—all. She had been right—there was need tonight for the gray seal. So that was the game—inhuman, hellish, the whole of it—to the last filthy dregs. Connie Myers, to protect himself, was railroading an innocent man to death for the crime that he himself had committed. There was a cold smile on Jimmy Dale's lips now as he took his automatic from his pocket. No, it wasn't quite all the game. There was still HIS hand to play. He edged forward a little nearer to the door and halted abruptly, listening. An automobile had stopped outside on the road. Hagen was still pleading in a frenzied way. Connie Myers was callously folding his letter while he watched the other warily neither of the men had heard the sound and then quick almost on the instant came a rush of feet a crash upon the front door an imperative command to open in the name of the law the police jimmie dale's brain was working now with lightning speed somehow the police had stumbled upon the crime in that tenement and as he had foreseen in such an event had identified doyle but they could not be sure that anyone was present here in the house now. They could not see a light any more than he had. He must get Mike Hagen away. Must see that Connie Myers did not get away. Myers was on his feet now, fear struck in his turn. The letter clutched in a tight-closed fist, his revolver swung out, poised, in the other hand. Hagen, too, was on his feet, and unheeded now by Connie Myers, was wrenching his wrists apart. Another crash upon the door, another, another demand in a harsh voice to open it. Then someone running around to the window at the side of the house, and Jimmy Dale sprang forward. There was the roar of a report, a blinding flash almost in Jimmy Dale's eyes, as Connie Myers, whirling instantly at his entrance, fired and missed. It happened quick then, in the space of the ticking of a watch, before Jimmy Dale, flinging himself forward, had reached the man like a defiant challenge to their demand it must have seemed to the officers outside that shot of connie myers at jimmie dale for it was answered on the instant by another through the side window and the shot fired at random the interior of the room hidden from the officers outside by the drawn shades found its mark and connie myers a bullet in his brain pitched forward dead upon the floor quick jimmie dale flung at hagan "'Get that letter out of his hand!' He jumped for the lamp on the floor, extinguished it, and turned again toward Hagen. "'Have you got it?' he whispered tensely. "'Yes,' said Hagen in a numbed way. "'This way, then!' Jimmy Dale caught Hagen's arm and pulled the other across the room and into the kitchen to the trap door. "'Quick!' he breathed again. "'Get down there, quick, and no noise. They don't know how many are in the house. When they find him, they'll probably be satisfied.' Hagen, stupefied, dazed, obeyed mechanically, and in an instant the trapdoor closed behind them. Jimmy Dale was standing beside the other in the cellar. Not a sound now, he cautioned once more. His flashlight winked, went out, winked again, then held steadily in curious fascination, it seemed, as in its circuit the ray fell upon Hagen, fell upon the torn, ragged edge of a paper in Hagen's hand. With a suppressed cry, Jimmy Dale snatched it away from the other. It was but a torn half of the letter. The other half! The other half! Hagen, where is it? he demanded hoarsely. Hagen, almost in a state of collapse, muttered inaudibly. The crash of a toppling door sounded from above. Jimmy Dale shook the man desperately. Where is it? he repeated fiercely. He... he was holding it tight. It... It tore in his hand, Hagen stammered. Does it make any difference? Oh, let's get out of here, whoever you are. For God's sake, let's get out of here. Any difference? Jimmy Dale's jaws were clamped like a steel vise. Any difference? The difference between life and death for the man beside him, that was all. He was reading the portion in his hand. It was the last part of the letter, beginning with, There's a paper stuck under the edge of Hagen's table." From above, from the floor of the front room now, came the rush and trample of feet. He could not go back for the other half, and any attempt to conceal the fact that Connie Myers had been alone in the house was futile now. They would find the torn letter in the dead man's hand, proof enough that someone else had been there. What was in that part of the letter that was still clutched in that death grip upstairs? a sentence from it that he had heard connie myers read seemed to burn itself into his brain if you want to know who did it look in mike hagan's room on the floor above and then suddenly like light through the darkness came a ray of hope he pulled hagan to the cellarway and stealthily lifted one side of the double trap door there was a chance desperate enough one in a thousand but still a chance voices from the house came plainly now but there was no one in sight the police to a man were evidently all inside from the road in front showed the lamp glare of their automobile run for the car jimmie dale jerked out from between the set teeth and with hagan beside him steadying the man by the arm dashed across the intervening fifty yards they had not been seen a minute more and the car evidently belonging to the local police, for it was headed in the direction of New York, and as though it had come from Pelham, swept down the road, swept around a turn, and Jimmy Dale, with a gasp of relief, straightened up a little from the wheel. How much time had he? The police must have heard the car, but equally occupied as they were, they might well give it no thought other than that it was but another car passing by. There was no telephone in the house, THE NEAREST HOUSE WAS A QUARTER OF A MILE AWAY, AND THAT MIGHT OR MIGHT NOT HAVE A TELEPHONE. COULD HE COUNT ON HALF AN HOUR? HE GLANCED ANXIOUSLY AT THE CROUCHED FIGURE BESIDE HIM. HE WOULD HAVE TO. IT WAS THE ONLY CHANCE. THEY WOULD TELEPHONE THE CONTENTS OF THE DEAD MAN'S HALF OF THE LETTER TO THE NEW YORK POLICE. COULD HE GET TO Hagan's ROOM FIRST? LOOK IN Hagan's ROOM, THEIR PART OF THE LETTER READ but it did not say for what, or exactly where. If they found nothing, Hagen was safe. Connie Myers' reputation, the fact that he was found in disguise at Doyle's house, was, barring any incriminating evidence, quite enough to let Hagen out. There would only remain in the minds of the police the question of who, beside Connie Myers, had been in old Doyle's house that night. And now, Jimmy Dale smiled a little whimsically. Well. PERHAPS HE COULD ANSWER THAT, AND IF NOT QUITE TO THE SATISFACTION OF THE POLICE, AT LEAST TO THE COMPLETE VINDICATION OF MIKE HAGAN. BUT HE COULD NOT DRIVE THROUGH TOWNS AND VILLAGES WITH A MASK on HIS FACE, AND THERE, AHEAD NOW, LIGHTS WERE BEGINNING TO SHOW, AND MORE THAN EVER NOW, WITH WHAT WAS BEFORE HIM IT WAS IMPERATIVE THAT MIKE HAGAN SHOULD NOT RECOGNIZE LARRY THE BAT. JIMMY DALE GLANCED AGAIN AT HAGAN AND SLOWED DOWN THE CAR. They were on the outskirts of a town, and off to the right he caught the twinkling lights of a streetcar. Hagen, he said sharply, pull yourself together and listen to me. If you keep your mouth shut, you've nothing to fear. If you let out a word of what's happened tonight, you'll probably go to the chair for a crime you know nothing about. Do you understand? Keep your mouth shut. The car had stopped. Hagen nodded his head. "'All right, then. You get out here and take a street car into New York,' continued Jimmy Dale crisply. "'But when you get there, keep away from your home for the next two or three hours. Hang around with some of the boys you know, and if you're asked anything afterwards, say you were batting around town all evening. Don't worry. You'll find you're out of this when you read the morning papers.' "'Now get out. Hurry!' he pushed Hagen from the car. "'I've got to make my own getaway.' Hagen, standing in the road, brushed his hand bewilderingly across his eyes. Yes, but you, I... Never mind about that, Jimmy Dale leaned out and gripped Hagen's arm impressively. There's only one thing you've got to think of or remember. Keep your mouth shut. No matter what happens, keep your mouth shut if you want to save your neck. Good night, Hagen. The car was racing forward again it shot streaking through the streets of the town ahead and dully over its own inferno echoed shouts cries and execrations of an outraged populace then out into the night again roaring its way toward new york he had half an hour perhaps it was a good thing hagan did not know or had not grasped the significance of that torn letter the man would have been unmanageable with fear and excitement It would puzzle Hagen to find no paper stuck under his table when he came to look for it, but that was a minor consideration. That mattered not at all. Half an hour. On roared the car. Towns, black roads, villages, wooded lands were kaleidoscopic in their passing. Half an hour. Had he done it? Had he come anywhere near doing it? He did not know. He was in the city at last, and now he had to moderate his speed but by keeping to the less frequented streets he could still drive at a fast pace one piece of good fortune had been his the long motor coat he had found in the car with which to cover the rags of larry the bat and without which he would have been obliged to leave the car somewhere on the outskirts of the city and to trust like mike hagan to other and slower means of transportation blocks away from hagan's tenement he ran the car into a lane slipped off the motor coat and from his own pocket whipped out the little metal insignia case and in another moment a diamond-shaped gray seal was neatly affixed to the black ebony rim of the steering wheel he smiled ironically it was necessary quite necessary that the police should have no doubt as to who had been in doyle's house with connie myers that night or to whom they had so considerably loaned their automobile He was running now, through lanes, dodging down side streets, taking every short cut he knew. Had he beaten the police to Mike Hagen's room? It would be easy then. If they were ahead of him then, by some means or other, he must still get that paper first. He was at the tenement now, shuffling leisurely up the steps. The front door was open. He entered and went up the first flight of stairs, then along the hall, and up the next flight he had half expected the place to be bustling with excitement over the crime but the police evidently had kept the affair quiet for he had seen no one since he had entered but now as he began to mount the third flight he went more slowly someone was ahead of him it was very dark he could not see the steps above died away he reached the landing started along for hagan's room and a light blazed suddenly in his face AND A HARD, QUICK GRIP ON HIS SHOULDER FORCED HIM BACK AGAINST THE WALL. THEN THE FLASHLIGHT WAVERED, GLISTENED ON BRASS BUTTONS WENT OUT, AND A VOICE LAUGHED ROUGHLY, IT'S ONLY LARRY THE BAT. LARRY THE BAT, EH? IT WAS ANOTHER VOICE, HARSH AND CURT. WHAT ARE YOU DOING HERE? HE WAS NOT FIRST, AFTER ALL. THE TELEPHONE MESSAGE FROM PELHAM, IT WAS ALMOST CERTAINLY THAT, HAD BEATEN HIM. They were ahead of him, just ahead of him. They had only been a few steps ahead of him going up the stairs, just a second ahead of him on their way to Hagen's room. Jimmy Dale was thinking fast now. He must go, too, to Hagen's room with them, somehow. There was no other way. There was Hagen's life at stake. "'Ah, I ain't done nothing,' he whined. "'I was just going to borrow the price of a feed from Mike Hagen. "'Let me go.' "'Hagen, eh?' snapped the questioner. "'Are you a friend of his?' "'Sure I am,' the officers whispered for a moment together. "'We'll try it,' decided the one who appeared to be in command. "'We're in the dark anyhow, and the thing may be only a steer. "'Maybe it'll work. "'Anyway, it won't do any harm.' His hand fell heavily on Jimmy Dale's shoulder. "'Mrs. Hagen know you?' "'Brusquely. "'Sure she does.' "'sniffled Larry the bat. "'Good,' rasped the officer. "'Well, we'll make the visit with you. "'And you do what you're told, or we'll put the screws on, you see. "'We're after something here, and you've blown the whole game, savvy. "'You've spilled the gravy, understand?' "'In the darkness, Jimmy Dale smiled grimly. "'It was far more than he had dared to hope for. "'They were playing into his hands.' "'But I don't know about any game,' grovelled Larry the bat piteously. "'Who in hell said you did?' growled the officer. "'You're supposed to have snitched the lay to us, that's all. "'And mind you, play your part. "'Come on.' "'It was two doors down the hall to Mike Hagen's room, "'and there one of the officers, putting his shoulder to the door, "'burst it open and sprang in. "'The other shoved Jimmy Dale forward. "'It was quickly done.' The three were in the room. The door was closed again. Came a cry of terror out of the darkness, a movement as of someone rising up hurriedly in bed, and then Mrs. Hagen's voice. "'What is it? Who is it? Mike!' "'The table. It was against the right-hand wall,' Jimmy Dale remembered. He sidled quickly toward it. "'Strike a light!' ordered the officer in charge jimmy dale's fingers were feeling under the edge of the table a quick sweep along it nothing he stooped reaching farther in another sweep of his arm and his fingers closed on a sheet of paper and a piece of hard gum in an instant they were in his pocket a match crackled and flared up a lamp was lighted larry the bat sulked sullenly against the wall terror-stricken wide-eyed Mrs. Hagen had clutched the child lying beside her to her arms and was sitting bolt upright in bed. "'Now then, no fuss about it,' said the officer in charge, with brutal directness. "'You might as well make a clean breast of Mike's share in that murder downstairs. Larry the Bat here has already told us the whole story. "'Come on now, out with it.' "'Murder!' her face went white." my mike murder she seemed for an instant stunned and then down the worn thin haggard face gushed the tears i don't believe it she cried i don't believe it come on now cut that out prodded the officer roughly i tell you larry the bat here has opened everything up wide you're only making it worse for yourself him she was staring now at jimmy dale Oh, God, she cried, so that's what you are. Are you a stool-pigeon for the cops? Well, whatever you told them, you lie. You're the curse of this neighborhood, you are, and if my Mike is bad at all, it's you that helped to make him bad. But murder? You lie! She had risen slowly from the bed, a gaunt, pitiful figure, pitifully clothed, The black hair gray streaked streaming thinly over her shoulders still clutching the baby that too was crying now the officers looked at one another and nodded guess she's handling it straight we'll have a look on our own hook the leader muttered she paid no attention to them she was walking straight to jimmy dale it's you is it she whispered fiercely through her sobs that would bring more shame and ruin here YOU THAT'S SELLING MY MAN'S LIFE AWAY WITH YOUR FILTHY LIES FOR WHAT THEY'RE PAYING YOU. IT'S YOU, IS IT, THAT—' HER VOICE BROKE. THERE WAS A FRIGHTENED, UNEASY LOOK IN LARRY THE BAT'S EYES. HIS LIPS WERE TWITCHING WEAKLY, HE DREW FAR BACK AGAINST THE WALL, AND THEN, GLANCING MISERABLY AT THE OFFICERS, AS THOUGH ENTREATING THEIR PERMISSION, BEGAN TO EDGE TOWARD THE DOOR. FOR A MOMENT SHE WATCHED HIM, HER FACE WHITE WITH OUTRAGE. Her hand clenched at her side, and then she found her voice again. Get out of here, she said in a choked, strained way, pointing to the door. Get out of here, you dirty skate! Sure, mumbled Larry the Bat, his eyes on the floor. Sure, he mumbled, and the door closed behind him. End of Part 1, Chapter 11C Recording by Roger Moline.